When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes to... the Oscar to... goes to... Gentlemen, my only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Could have been a contender. Fasten your... I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer, kid. All real man. Love is... is love. Too weak a word. Stay back. I, I know you I know I love you. I, I, I love you. I did as you saw. Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. Moonlight, Best Picture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and we have a full house today, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us this week, we have Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. Michael Schwartz. How's it going, everyone? Will Mavity. Hey, guys. And also, very exciting news here. Joining the team over here at Next Best Picture, we have, drumroll please, Josh Tarpley, everybody. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Happy to be joining the, the, the crew here. So, Josh, why don't you tell everybody that's listening right now what you will be doing for us over here at Next Best Picture? Yeah, so I uh, was able to get connected with, with Matt these Honestly, this past Oscar season, um, we actually hit it up on Twitter on National Board of Review Day. So for all intents and purposes, the first day of the season there. And um, going to be joining, writing uh, film news, getting the awards blog part of the website, um, some more consistent content there. And uh, yeah, really excited. I've written news a little bit over the past couple years and kind of getting to take my focus away from only superhero news and getting to direct it towards these type of films, which I'm extremely excited about. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm very excited about that as well. We like to shine a spotlight over on the award season contenders as they release throughout the year. And we're really, really happy to have you on board. Now let's get over into the nitty and gritty so that we can learn a little bit more about you, Josh. Who is your favorite actor working today? Oh, that's a good question. Um, maybe I'll go Oscar Isaac. And he's become my best friend, everybody. <laughs> Good answer, Josh. Was it just the ex Mahina dancing scene that did it for you? Honestly, just the gif by itself uh, does it for me. Um, but and that's honestly what feels a lot of my hate for X Men Apocalypse 
any movie that uh, abuses Oscar Isaac like that, uh, we got to put aside. But yeah, I guess I'll go uh, Oscar there, whether it's the big, big roles or Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, should have um, been nominated for that. Dude, he's so good. Just don't watch anything pre-drive and you'll be happy. Au revoir. Right. Okay. I, I, I haven't been experienced in that. I have. So. It's not good. Just don't do it. <laughs> All right, Josh, favorite actress working today? I guess I'll go kind of a recent hurt. I'll go Amy Adams. Oh, yeah. Love her. She's my, uh, let me tell you something. Like, you know, if we if we were, like, closer in age and I just, like, met Amy Adams, I'd ask Amy Adams to marry me. Plain and simple. <laughs> I don't really see. Why would why would that? She's not that old and you're not that young. <laughs> hey, 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 ease up, right? I'm younger than you, aren't I? I, I was going to say, you know, she's not like Betty White. Exactly. I mean, and even if she was, that wouldn't matter. I mean. I was going to say, like, I probably would, like, you know, not turn down a date with Betty White, so... Well, Matt, with the in, the in the age of the internet, I mean, you can ask her to marry you whenever you want. It might be kind of weird. Exactly. But, you know, you think it. I haven't proposed to one of my many men that I love online on their Twitter? I've done that, okay? I, I, I've tried that with Rooney Mara. I still haven't received a response. So I'm a little skeptical on trying it with a, a woman that's even older than her at this point. So. <laughs> well, that's because she was after Kate Blanchett, Matt. You know that. You can't compete with that. No. Oh, who could ever compete with Kate? Nobody. <laughs> Uh, guys, ask Josh some questions here. Uh, some questions. Uh, well, I feel like this is going to be the big one too soon, but what about favorite movies? So I was, uh, you know, these questions. So, I, I mean, I, I've kind of grown my movie love in the, in the bigger stuff, in the nerd space. So, you know, your Star Wars, your Dark Knights are, are there. Um, I could kind of go maybe to give you guys a little bit of my film taste, some top threes from the past years, you know, 20, this last year was Moonlight, Hell or High Water, Arrival for me, um, 2015, Creed, Steve Jobs, um, 2014, 2014 was a hard one for me because I went back and forth for a long time what I was going to name number one. And I ended up, you know how these number one, number two slots go. You love both of them, but Selma and and the Lego movie. So to show you my, my taste there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I noticed you know I noticed you mentioned Moonlight as your uh, number one film last year. Uh, before Moonlight, which uh, Best Picture winner was also your number one film? Yeah, I could probably say back whenever it was coming out, like Return of the King or something. But if I go back in time here, you know, not Argo, not Artist. Uh, I had Spotlight in my top 10. Um, I had I like Birdman a lot. That was in my top five. That might be one of, if not the only time it's ever lined up. I mean, in my modern era of uh, enjoying film. So no, no, uh, no country for all men for you. Oh, seven. I guess no country. Uh, I'm kind of drawing a blank here on because um, I know 06 for me was United 93. Oh, it's so good. That one was up there. Yeah, I guess no country. I'm tra- what was the competition besides no country? Uh, there that will be was, blood. Uh, Juno uh, atonement. Atonement. There will be blood and Michael uh, Clayton. That's right, Michael. Clayton. Hot fuzz. Come on, hot, hot fuzz. fuzz man. <laughs> <laughs> um, that movie's ten years old, by the way. Can we think about that? Which one? Hot Fuzz? Yeah, Hot Fuzz was like 10 years ago, like this week. Never seen it. What, Mike, Mike, you're fired. It's so good. 
it's not it's not amazing. Like I don't think it's a masterpiece, but I I definitely think it's a lot of fun. I prefer I prefer Shaun of the Dead more, honestly. I think Hot Fuzz is one of both one of the best action films and one of the best comedies of the century. Damn, it's it's astonishing. It's I've watched it like twenty times. Now it's just hold on a minute here because we're talking Simon Pegg and uh, uh, Nick Frost here. I Baby hear Driver trailers coming tomorrow. Yeah, they're, I hear they're teaming up on a new project. Oh, are they? Yeah, but it's not directed by Edgar Wright, but I hear they want to do a project together again, they, they were saying. Out of the three films, Shaun of the Dead, The World's End, and Hot Fuzz, number one, has anyone here not seen either one of those three? I've seen The World's End, but that's it. So that was so that one's immediately your favorite, basically, because it's the only one you've seen. <laughs> so my question, <laughs> by is, default, my question is then, uh, which one of the three is uh, everybody's favorite? Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Shaun of the Dead's a masterpiece too, though. Uh, I guess I go Shaun of the Dead, but I have no problem flip flopping between that and Hot Fuzz on any given day. I I, I have to say, to World's End, only because um, I see so much of myself in that main character. Which, uh, oh God. yeah, yeah, there's, <laughs> oh, um, Jesus. there's some pretty bad parallels there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny them. <laughs> well, I guess it's best that I don't remember anything about that movie then, Matt. <laughs> um, okay. Now hold on a second here, Josh. Uh, I'm going to ask on behalf of Kristen, <laughs> uh, I want you to do, I want you to do a one word association when I name the following movies. Are you ready? Okay. Nocturnal Animals. Dark. Passengers. Annoying. L. Haven't seen, but controversial. Okay. That'll work. The Neon Demon. Weird as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think you've passed the test, unless if anybody else has anything here. Army Hammer. <laughs> Do not talk shit about my husband, okay? Army hammer and a coat, to be more specific. Jeremy Irons. It's getting hot in here, guys. <laughs> Y'all should just see my cell phone background, okay? It's it's um a thing of beauty. Is it like a Mount Rushmore with everyone's... Uh... <laughs> uh, no, no, I didn't collage or anything, but no. my, my Michael Fassbender. My phone is infinitely prettier than it once was. <laughs> That's funny. That is really, really funny. Alrighty, well, Josh, thank you once again for being a part of the team here. We really, really appreciate it. And we look forward to all the great contributions that you will be making towards the site. Right now, what I want to do is I want to turn it over to our fans, our dear listeners out there. Number one, I'm going to start off by saying this. If you leave us a review on iTunes, I promise you that by next week's podcast recording... I will select at random one of those reviews. I will announce it over the podcast, and you will win a free digital HD giveaway. So... Of? Hey, 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 of. Listen, all right? They can't know everything, all right? (laughs) Can I leave a review? Am I qualified? (laughs) No, but the trick is this. Not only must you leave the review on iTunes, but you must also send in a tweet, hashtag next best picture, over to at next best picture, and we will contact you on Twitter to let you know if you have been selected. If it sounds complicated, maybe it is. I will revise again next week, if so. But either way, I want to be able to give you guys some prizes out there. And also, thank you very much for your questions. Let's read them out loud and see what everybody over here thinks. 
So this one comes from Michael Eddy Six. He is asking us, have we heard about Last Flag Flying, the new Richard Linklater Amazon Studios film, and what do we think about it? So number one, have we heard about it? No. We talked about it a couple months ago. Uh, I mean, I, I had heard of it, yeah. This is the semi-sequel, I believe. It's in the same universe as The Last Detail, the Hal Ashby film with Randy Quaid and Jack Nicholson. Which made Randy Quaid an Oscar nominee, which, by the way, Dennis Quaid is not, but Randy Quaid is. I always think that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But uh, So this is a semi-sequel, I believe, starring Brian Cranston, Steve Carell, and uh, one person who I'm blanking on right now. Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. So uh, It's got a great cast. Yeah. And uh, the original got a few Oscar nominations. I don't re- think it was the Best Picture nominee. But I know uh, Nicholson got nominated, Randy Quaid, of course. So, uh, yeah, this will be interesting. And it's from Amazon, Linklater. A lot of interesting stuff to like there. True or false, Brian Cranston will win an Oscar in his lifetime. Oh, true. true. Absolutely. True. I say false. Really? Yeah, I think he's hit a career peak with all the Emmy wins. I And at age, what is he, 60 mm. now? I don't think that he, I don't think there's enough time. No, but, like, let's think about it. He got, came out of nowhere last Oscar season to start racking up SAG and BAFTA and an Oscar nomination for a film that was not particularly well-reviewed and came from a tiny studio and barely made any money. It was so easy for him to get an Oscar nomination against the odds because people like him so much and he has so much goodwill. I don't see why he couldn't win. If he doesn't win, I think he'll get a couple more nominations. Like, he's oh, really yeah. well-loved. And I think the the goodwill idea, uh, we could say that last year with the the SAG uh, all the way win, where it was the the two two guys from the night of, and it was the two guys from um, People vs OJ, and out of nowhere, Brian Cranston won for the HBO movie, and I guess just going to show that the actors really love him, so maybe that all that goodwill could be cashed in someday down the road. Yeah, do not underestimate how much people like Brian Cranston, Matt. I think I, I think it's going to happen. He just needs the right role. I think if he got even like a supporting role in the vein of like a Viola Davis and Doubt type of thing, where even if he's on for just like a few minutes and depending on the competition of that year, I can see him winning over in the supporting category maybe. So what is the more likely project possibly to get him that next nomination, uh, this project with Linklater or the Untouchables remake? Or the intu- – what the heck is it called? The Intouchables? The Intouchables. The Intouchables. Sorry, I'm thinking of like Sean Connery and no, Kevin Costner the name. Here. It's called Untouchable. <laughs> oh, yeah. They've renamed it to Untouchable for American audiences. Yeah. But the original is Intouchables. No, Intouchable is how it's pronounced. <laughs> there Excuse we go. Excuse me. <laughs> I am not particularly optimistic about the nature of that remake. It's commercial. Yeah, yeah, of course. It made a ton of money internationally, but it's – going to come out like six, seven years after the original did. Uh, I think maybe the passion for that original film has died down. I'm not entirely sure if it, they're going to nail the tone exactly. You know, Neil Berger had a good start with the interview with the assassin and the illusionist, but he's made things like Divergent lately. I, it, I, I'm not quite sure it's going to be an Oscar vehicle. It, it might be entertaining, but I can't imagine it being a big Oscar have player. You seen Kevin, uh, have you seen Kevin Hart's hair? I have not. It's like all poofy and like he's trying to make it look like he's 
I guess, disheveled and oh, you know, this will give me such great pieces <laughs> to write about ableism and stupid tropes about disability. Oh, I can feel it. I can feel myself well, being pissed. Well, it, it's going to depend because I'd like to think Brian Cranston is a man of taste, but after why him this year, I have to. I have to now like consider, you know, that maybe he's not picking the right projects. So And even that uh that drug cartel movie he was in wasn't that good. The infiltrator. I found that to be fine. I didn't think it was terrible, but I I, I, I understand the hate for it. But I don't think this is me before you. No, it's just it's gonna, gonna be, be the bad. theory of everything oh. in any other bullshit movie about inspirational cripple people. It's gonna be great. <laughs> also, let's talk about how troubled this project's been. Uh, Paul Feig was supposed to direct it with Chris Rock starring and Colin Firth in it, and then he dropped out. Tom Shadjack was considered to replace him with Chris Tucker, and then he dropped out. And then finally you get Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston, and Simon Curtis comes on to direct with a screenplay by Paul Feig, and then... Simon Curtis drops out, they jettison Feig's work, and then they bring in Neil Berger and John Hartmere. So it's not exactly had a smooth bit of smooth sailing, too. You know, that's that's not a great start. Interesting cast, though. Nicole Kidman just joined. Oh. Nicole Kidman and Juliana Margulies. It's actually filming in my neighborhood. Uh, oh, of course it is. Everything films in Michael's neighborhood. It's filming right outside of Philadelphia, and it's funny, Nicole Kidman was flying in right after the Oscars. She came from Hollywood to the Philadelphia region, and her flight got diverted to another airport. And I actually read, saw this on the local news. Somebody from the airline had to drive her in their own car to the set. Could you imagine? Uh, driving like Nicole Kidman? Car, getting the call, N- Nicole Kidman's here and needs to get the set, drive her. Uh, jo- Josh, you're going you're gonna to come to realize that Michael Schwartz is the most connected man on the podcast. I was going to say, it was no big deal, just in my neighborhood, whatever. The Philadelphia region <laughs> is like small Hollywood. You wouldn't believe it. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and my channel on down the street, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, less flag flying. Uh, good cast all around. We'll see what damage it does. Uh, what else do we have here? I like this question. This is like a general movie question. I really like this one. This is from Matt Sinclair at Film Guy Six One Nine. I want everybody to answer one at a time here. Kristen, we'll start with you. <laughs> what is your least favorite thing about going to the movies? Oh God, I have to label it to one. Oh, so many things. Um, probably when people assume that handicap companion seats mean that um, if you can walk. Uh, up the stairs that you are crippled enough to use that seat even if somebody who is disabled who does have a companion needs that seat you feel you don't have to move thank god for assigned seating nowadays right um that does nothing for me because that when there's only four handicapped spots in a theater it's not really flush for choice woo i get to choose whether i want the left well, side thank or the god right. for those press screenings right uh well i still have to i have to show up at least uh an hour early unless i want to have to scream at somebody to get them to move well thank god for that yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no benefits for me other than just having to uh, cathartically yell at people for being insensitive pricks. Alrighty, Michael Schwartz, how about you? Least favorite thing about going to the movies? My least favorite thing. Uh, well, I got to say, it used to be the seats, but now all the theaters I go to have the nice reclining seats, so I can't complain about that anymore. 
And uh, with reserved seating, it makes it easier to get things where you want to sit, so I like that. I guess my least favorite thing now would have to be with the programming in some cases. Like, and this is all a matter of taste, I guess. But as someone who's not particularly fond of uh, superhero action, sci-fi, you know, you know the type of movies I'm talking about. Uh, sometimes in the late spring or summer when the theaters are just saturated with them, I just wish some of these uh, bigger theater chains like a Regal or an AMC would uh, have more of a variety from time to time. Yeah, I think it all depends on the ones in the area um, because I know exactly what it is you're talking about. And I know the larger ones like for me, like in New York City, will show the films that I particularly more so want to see. The problem is I have to travel uh, yeah. like 30, 35 miles to get there, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I usually got to take the train. So there, there's a great art house theater right in my neighborhood that uh, I'm a member of. I love it. And they show the best types of movies, have uh, great Q&As afterwards. But the thing is, the screen, while big enough, is not like a big multiplex-sized screen. It's almost like something you could get like at Best Buy if you asked them for their largest size TV. A little bigger than that, but you know, like not exactly what you want with the speakers blasting. So like when I saw La La Land for the first time in December, it was at this theater, which is great. I saw La La Land, but when you see a big musical like that, you want the big experience. So I wish some of these bigger theaters would open themselves up to uh, smaller projects. Yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. Obviously, it's all business, and they gotta go where the ticket sales are gonna be. You know, yeah. so I understand it. That's a good question, though. Okay, uh, Will Mavity, how about you? Uh, before I say that, I just want to do one more thing on Cranston uh, because this relates to news this week. We we know the Disaster Artist is premiering this week at South by Southwest. So West, excited! Right? Yep. Did, did we know just how good the cast has gotten? Yeah. Yeah, I was sort of surprised to see that. Like, L- James Franco, Dave Franco, Seth Rogen, Josh Hutcherson, Zach Efron, Jackie Weaver, Hannibal Buress, uh Alison Brie, Sharon Stone, Brian Cranston, Christopher Mintz-Plazé, uh, Straight Outta Compton's Jason Mitchell, Zach Braff, Zoe Dutch from Everybody Wants Some, uh, Kate Upton, Judd Apto, presumably in cameos. I mean, it is insane. I've been waiting a year for this movie. It's everybody. <laughs> I, I've been waiting since 2013 for yeah. this movie. I mean, I, I am hyped. By the way, you guys have no idea how happy I am that Jason Mitchell is getting a ton of work. Oh, he's so good. He has a lot this year. He should have gotten nominated for Straight Outta Compton for Supporting Actor. He was so damn good. I totally agree, especially after seeing him in uh, roles that I've seen him in since then. You do honestly realize like how much he was, quote-unquote, acting you know what i mean in that movie yeah i mean he became easy but going back to my least favorite thing in the movie um when people make repeated loud or not even loud just subtly annoying noises in a movie theater for example if you're sitting in a movie theater and the person next to you repeatedly goes <laughs> just over and over and over again, or someone who just can't contain their sneezes and sniffles. I'm not saying that if you've got the flu, you can't go to the movie. I am saying that it's really annoying if you've got the flu and you decide to sit next to me at the movie. Like, it's just something about the repeated sounds. I almost had to leave Jurassic World because somebody clearly had some kind of like stomach acid problems and was just like. <clears throat> The whole movie, yeah, it's... <laughs> Re- rep- 
Replace I replace the word flu with children, and you get my second worst part right. about oh, going to the movies. Oh no! That's yeah. That should have been mine. Oh my god! <laughs> what did I think of that? That's why I go to see animated movies late at night. I go to like the nine thirty, ten o'clock show. My fate, and particularly when people bring kids to movies they shouldn't see. Like last week, Logan. My theater was full of children. Who like that's you insane. Know, it's just like people are getting eviscerated. There's heads flying everywhere, brains spurting out, and I'm hearing like kids crying in the background. I'm like, why did you bring your four year old? This is like it's a part of the marketing that it's gruesome. I'll throw out I'll throw out a caveat to this because my mother was one of those parents that was like her kid knew the difference between reality and and fiction at an early age so i saw stuff that was probably less than age appropriate like i for some godforsaken reason wanted to see american beauty when it came out and i was 12 um smart kid yeah i i was but so i mean i'm not naturally opposed you know your kid that's great if they want to go see that that's awesome if they can't shut the hell up though then you probably should just wait till DVD. Like, that's my thing. The constant chattering and the running around, which is why when they announced that news item that the one theater, I forget where it is, they want to put Jungle Gyms in the movie theater. No. No, no. Uh, Fuck that. Take your kid, get a Redbox movie and take your kid to the park and watch it on DVD. You don't have to. That said, uh, that Jungle Gym thing, I thought it was like, like you, it was shocking at first. Like, are the kids going to be on it during the movie? Apparently, it's like 15 minutes before previews start during seating, and then it's closed off. Yeah, but aren't they going to like get up and try to get into the jungle gym again? Yeah, even yeah, if... I'm, I guess. I'm or are they going to like cry just... to their mom that they can't go back in? I don't know what's going to go on with that. It's but... just it's a uh, setting themselves up for disaster. <laughs> Once we open that door, it, 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 this is a slippery slope. I will boycott any theater that does that. My God, that's like when they suggested last year allowing. Uh, audience members to text in the theater yeah. and like make that like a central part of the theater experience. No, uh, I at, at that point then it's just best to admit that the days of movie going are gone and we're just gonna do it all from our homes because if it gets to that point, no. Also, how about my favorite? When I saw Epic Movie, there were kids in there. I wish I hadn't seen Epic Movie. I wish those kid kids hadn't seen Epic Movie, <laughs> but. I just love the moment where there was a kid behind me who kept turning to his mom and, you know, they call the white witch the white bitch. He kept being like, why are they saying her name wrong, mommy? <laughs> like, and I was like, ooh, that's that's good parenting right there. <laughs> oh, man. How about you, Josh? Lee's favorite thing about the movies. Um, so I can give an answer to that, just kind of adding to the story of kids in movies. Um so really quick background to myself. So I, you know, family is religious, grew up in a religious home. That being said, we went to the movies a lot and uh, my dad had, he didn't know how to use the internet or do any research on movies. So he happily took us to Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny while we're in middle school, high school. And the, me and my brother and my dad, all, all three religious, um, went and saw Borat together. So that was a <laughs> fun experience. Um Least favorite, so generally speaking, I, I would go just people, but with my theater, um, it doesn't happen too often, but if the sound is bad, uh, mainly not loud enough, or in, any problems with sound, or the lights in the theater, if they don't fully dim, um, 
I haven't had anything too bad, but I'll, I'll happily go out and ask you, hey, can you fix it? Or I need, need a refund or something because I'm paying this much and I want to see the movie and I gotta, I, I don't want to hear the white noise in the background. I need to hear the sound, like, so blare it. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you say the lights, like, not being dim enough, how about during the credits? Have you ever had it where the lights come on right as the credits start rolling or the title of the film comes up at the end? Yeah, so it's it's kind of like they're they're saying, "All right, time to go, folks." Where yeah. I'm sitting there, no, I'm I, I'm still watching I, I, the movie. I, I have three minutes to just soak it in. Right, and, yeah, and then they like, start cleaning the theater as you're doing that. I just find that really obnoxious. Like sometimes you just want to be able to sit and process what you watched, or wait until uh, the after the credit scene if there is one. Yeah, you don't you don't get that with people. Like people. Not only do theaters do that, but people also do that because they don't want to let a movie unfold. They have to start like asking questions as the movie is going. That's that's another thing that always like never fails to to irritate me is when people have to ask questions during the movie. And I get maybe being slightly confused about a plot point or something here and there. If you're asking like a litany of questions, maybe wait till it's after. Okay, if we're all throwing out horrific film experiences. <laughs> The one that my friend and I tend to trot out the most when we talk about horrible times at the movies, we went and saw a a noontime showing of In Secret when it came out, because it's an Oscar (laughs) Isaac movie, and I had to go. With Jessica Lange, right? Yes. um, And so we went, and it was us, and directly behind us, and I don't know why, because there was nobody else in the theater, were these two old ladies. And by old, I'm talking at least over 60. Oh, no. And In Secret is a little racy. There's a lot of sex in the beginning of it. And so we're, we're sitting there and we're watching it and we're like, you know, like giggling to ourselves. And the ladies behind us at a certain point in the movie, without <laughs> spoiling anything and getting uh, overly detailed, there's an oral sex moment. Um, and the ladies behind us turned to each other and it said, what is he doing? What is going on? Why are they doing that? And I'm sitting there like, holy shit, you were ruining this moment for me, for starters. And B, if you don't know what's going on, I mean, it's evident that these ladies had not seen any penises in their life for at least a couple of years. So, I mean, it's just little things like that. If you're confused about stuff, you know, basic stuff, maybe... Maybe not go see it. I only could dream of what those two women did when Fifty Shades of Grey came out. (laughs) (laughs) People could just certainly ruin an experience like that. It's crazy. I was sitting next to a woman at Trainwreck in 2015. Who This woman, I think, was a train wreck herself. At first, I thought she was having, like, some sort of epileptic seizure during the movie. But she was just sort of, like, moving around to the music and whatever song would come on in the movie, doing some sort of interpretive dance in her seat. It, It was bizarre. She decided she didn't like her seat, and this is a reserved seating theater, and starts moving around to other ones, like almost kicking people out of them. It was unreal. So it's really funny because um, somebody just yesterday at work uh, was talking to me about one time when they came over to um, one of my viewing parties I had for Game of Thrones last year. I had like a, a party of like 40 people show up to watch the season finale. And of course, we're talking about this because Game of Thrones just added its like latest teaser for the new season. And he says to me, you know, I was really skeptical about watching like an episode of that show, like with like that many people present. But then I remembered something. Well, wait, Matt Neglia is hosting this event. 
<laughs> and I was like, well, what do you, and I was like, well, I was like, I guess you've heard about my reputation. And he's like, oh yeah, dude, totally. So my reputation, uh, one that my sisters hate cause they, and this is why my sister does not like going to the movies with me is if anybody disrupts my viewing experience, uh-huh. I let you know. I very much let you know. And I don't care if now all the attention is on me. I'm the guy that gets up out of my chair, turns around and says, will you shut the fuck up? <laughs> I am I am that person. And I am not nice about it. And I get really, really annoyed and really upset. And then guess what? If you continue, I get up out of my chair and I go to the manager and I get you thrown out. Have you done that before? Absolutely. Don't you oh, dare. Wow. Do not ever. mess with Matt. I am in church when I'm at the movies. Don't you dare come between me and God. Okay? <laughs> Don't do it. Right. Okay, so I, I have to ask, uh, has have y'all ever... Okay, so since we're at on this question, have y'all ever been in a theater where somebody uh, <clears throat> got uncomfortably physical in... Or a couple got uncomfortably physical in your eyesight in the theater? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Any particularly good stories there? Because <laughs> no. somebody somebody did something disgusting in my screening. Oh my story. god! Dear Lord. I, I I can tell you that um, when I was when I was working for a movie theater, this is this is like a decade ago. Um, I did find a I did find a condom in a theater one time. Cleaning it up. <laughs> a used condom. Uh, I oh, so did he, the two the, actually the three weirdest things I ever found <laughs> cleaning a movie theater were used condom. A basketball, um, and a fifty dollar bill, which I happily kept. Uh, you kept? I, oh, absolutely. I think the basketball is a little bit weird. Like, no, what's, I, what's I, the context? The fifty dollar bill was weird to me because that was like an abnormally large amount of money that you don't normally see get left behind. Yeah, normally you see like a dollar. What's change. the basketball? I don't. I don't know. Is this some like artistic Shia LaBeouf statement on hoop dreams? Well, what's going well, on? Well, I can't, I can't attest to seeing anybody get physical in in a movie theater. I can say that my mom's greatest story about seeing a movie with me, because again, I have no filter. Okay, I grew up watching pretty much anything I wanted. So when Shame came out, I told my mom we were gonna go. Her and oh, I boy. were gonna go. We went down to the art house theater in Sacramento. That's like an hour away. And we went and we watched the movie. And my mom had no concept of what this movie was about other than it had Michael Fassbender in it. And I think I might have told her he was naked. That's oh, it. he's in it. Um, and so we watched, we're, we're watching the movie. The first like 10 minutes go by. My mom's like, okay. Next like 30 minutes go by. And she's, I know, I can feel her eyes boring into the side of my head. And this went on for like two hours or however long the movie is. And when it was over... My mom and I stood up, we left, and my mom looks at me and she says, we're never talking about this to each other again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my, and my mom's not one to get uncomfortable seeing a movie with me, but I think it was the fact that we were in a crowded theater, which most of us thought that like everybody just thought they were wandering into like the Iron Lady and wandered into this by mistake. But yeah, it was that. that's still one of the most uncomfortable film experiences. <laughs> and this is I, I took my mom to see Unfaithful when it came out okay and that didn't really phase us this we were like we're just we're never going to talk about what we've seen <laughs> uh, I'm going to just finish up by answering uh, the question from before with saying uh, snoring 
is uh, my biggest pet peeve when I go see a movie. And Kristen, you have inspired me to now want to ask everybody uh, your most uncomfortable movie-watching experience. I'll throw out a quick one real quick because I have more than one. Um, It was taking my whole family. That includes brothers and my dad and my mom. We all went and my grandma. We all went and saw 28 Days Later. That's a great movie. And (laughs) opening shot of (laughs) Killian Murphy. Wow. All of us, and and mind you, I'm pretty sure that's the first time I ever saw full frontal male nudity, like, in my life, was that movie. And, yeah, my dad trying very hard to get all all of our eyes, like, away. I'm like, what's done cannot be undone, dad. (laughs) Um, For me, it was definitely at home watching Mulholland Drive with my sister and my parents. Mm, That'd be a fun one. not only were my parents just like, what the hell is this weird shit? But then that lesbian scene came on <laughs> and my sister never, ever let me live down how terribly uncomfortable she, that made her feel that my parents were watching this with us. And she was just like completely horrified. She was like, Matt, Matt. She's like, people don't understand artistic merit the same way you do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, in, instead of mine, I'm going to share my friends, because I don't think this... This is one of the worst I've ever heard. But basically, he went to see Australia, and he had been about to smoke a bowl before he left to go see the film, <laughs> and he got distracted. I think they decided to go see an earlier showing. So he just, like, puts the still-packed bowl in his pocket and forgets. And then he goes... And he's watching Australia, and they get about an hour into the film, and he shifts, and it falls out of his pocket and shatters on the floor. (gasps) And then just, like, everybody can smell this just, like, cloud of stink that just rises up from around him. And people are just looking at him because they could hear the shatter. And the guy, like, in front of him kind of reaches behind, scoops up, like, broken pieces of glass and just kind of, like, puts them in the guy in his hand, pats it and nods and just turns away. <laughs> and he has to sit through the rest of the film with everybody knowing what happened. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Oh, my. It's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I... I I don't think any of mine could top that. So that I, I don't even know mine. if anybody else can top that. Michael, Josh, are you guys good? Yeah, mine doesn't top that. Uh, I wouldn't really say this was an uncomfortable experience just because uh, my grandparents and I know, are able to look at art as itself. Like we, It's life for the most part. So uh, I'll see movies sometimes that I really love and want to share them with people on other viewings. So I went to the theaters with my grandparents, and we were all fine with this, to see a Black Swan and Gone Girl. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, just not the most typical thing you would go see with your grandparents, but uh, hey, we like both of them. So we went from like the most uncomfortable thing to the, hey, I'm sort of okay with this, <laughs> very like okay thing. <laughs> the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> well, my, my quick story deals with Black Swan as well. Back when it came out, I went and I drove – uh, about an hour and a half to go see I, and I went and saw it by myself and I knew you know that 2010 was my first year getting into these movies and I made you know I so it was great getting to see that 127 hours so I was going to do my homework I was going to see Black Swan I knew what was going on and sitting right behind me it was a 1 p.m 2 p.m showing was a couple on their first date oh boy and without even I hadn't even seen the movie but I knew I was like okay 
You guys are about to learn a lot about how this relationship's going to go, what you're comfortable, what you're not comfortable with. And uh, I would love to have heard that post-movie conversation on, on a first date on Black Swan. Well, here's what you're going to do from now on, Josh, is every time uh, a new couple in your life, uh, friends, whatever the case may be, um, I want you to invite them over your house, and I want you to show them this movie uh, that Kristen loves called Nocturnal Animals. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, that's a perfect date movie. I showed that to my friends the other day, and yeah. <laughs> they had a lot of fun with Even it. Even with all the, like, warning online. It's a, you it's a movie for all occasions. <laughs> Watch it at Christmas. Christmas? No way. <laughs> uh, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, I mean, come on. Easter. Y- yeah. Nothing <laughs> says about celebrating the resurrection of Christ like nocturnal animals. <laughs> I've already told everybody that Thanksgiving Day we're all going to see Call Me By Your Name. So, you know what? We're all going to have a hell of a time on that day. Alrighty. Uh, <laughs> so, another question from a fan here. Uh, this is now moving over uh, into more Oscar territory here. This one comes from Toby Hill, uh, Sled Camera 17. Since expanding, what, in your opinion, was the best Best Picture lineup? So, from 2009 till last year, what was your favorite best picture lineup where it's like, oh man, I could watch like all of these. There's not a single one in there. I don't, you know, I don't dislike. I I can go first. I'll probably, um, it, I mean, it's been a really good past couple of years. More movies, the better, generally speaking. But for me, it's 2010. Um, even though I, I, you know, the King's Speech was fine to me, but like the social network is one of my favorite films of all time. Inception, Toy Story 3. The Fighter. Winner's Bone is really good. Winner's Bone. Um, 2010 was, was the, the, the Black Swan, 127 yep. Hours. Kids, the Kids Are All Right um, was in there. Kids Are All Right. Yeah, that, you know what? That that That's my winner right there, actually. And and I I mean, the 09 and, and 2010 years before the, the new voting happened, but you could hit this, this huge spectrum from Inception to 127 Hours to Toy Story 3 to... Social network to King's Speech, so I, I yeah, got I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna echo that. I know some people are gonna probably make a case right now for 2012. That's what but... I'm gonna say. 2012. I was gonna say 2012. Uh, I really love 2012. 2013 too has some good ones, but uh, I'm just looking at this list of 2012 and my top five uh, of the best films of the year from 2012 are all nominated for best picture. I like everything there. I would maybe replace Beasts of the Southern Wild with Moonrise Kingdom. But I still love Beasts. I could watch any of these right now. If it weren't for the blight of Les Miserables hey on now. an otherwise hey now. excellent <laughs> an ex- otherwise excellent lineup, I think that is a winner there. I also think this was one of the last years we really had a Best Picture lineup that seemed to be a great balance of artistic films and really populist films. Like... People went in mass to see Lincoln, Django Unchained, Argo, Life Silver Lines Playbook, Life of Pi, Though I Don't Like It, Les Mis, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, almost everything. Zero Dark Thirty. I like Those are some great films, and they're some of the best examples in recent years I can think of films that managed to really kind of be, you know, films of artistic merit that also just average moviegoers liked. And I think there's something to be said for that year. All right, now now we're going to have some real fun for a second here. You guys ready for this? 2009 up until the present day. Let's start with 2009 first. 
2009, which film would you nominate for Best Picture that was not nominated? I have I got 09 um, because it was my favorite film of the year. It didn't get not, but um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh my god, uh, I love yeah. that one. That would probably be my second choice for that's that's my my favorite Wes Anderson, and so I would have no problem getting that in the in the top ten there. Yeah, you know what mine is? What's yours? Uh, mine was actually a movie that. It's weird. It came close to a Best Picture nomination, but it didn't get good reviews. I liked it quite a bit, though, and that is Nine. Oh. Mm. Oh, yeah. God. That was... And that's one of the best examples I've seen until Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk of a film that people trumpeted as an Oscar frontrunner all year. That's like one of the worst underperformances I've seen of a big contender. Yeah, I mean, it did get tech nominations and uh, Penelope Cruz, but it didn't do nearly as well as people expected. But I mean, I stand by it. I think it's a terrific film. I love the stage musical. And uh, look, it's a hard show to adapt. So you're either going to go with it or you're not. But as a longtime fan, I was a big fan of it. I would say 500 Days of Summer. That's great. That's what I would say as well. Nice. Uh, 2010 now. The Town. Ooh. Wait, did Kristen, Kristen, did you say 2009? I can't even remember what came out in 2009. Oh, Shutter Island in 2010 too. That you took both of them, Will. <laughs> uh, yes, Shutter oh. Island is my Shutter Island is my pick as well. Oh, you know what? A great movie that didn't even come close to Oscars from Nicole Holofcener. It's called Please Give. I remember that. Yeah. So it's Catherine Keener, and uh, oh boy, do I love that movie. I think she should have been nominated for it. Uh, I really love Please Give. Uh, the year where everybody's favorite films of the year probably was not nominated for Best Picture, 2011, uh, Drive, duh. Yes. Drive, yes. yeah. So good. You know what I'm saying? And it came close. Bridesmaids. <laughs> really close. Um, I I enjoyed that screenplay nomination a lot. I'm I, very happy Melissa McCarthy was able to get a nomination for that. That's awesome in oh retrospect. Yeah. So oh, well absolutely. Go, she's terrific. Going back to Gilmore Girls. So to see her get an Oscar nomination for her breakout film role, I just love that. What about you, Josh? 2011, I was a, I was a fan of 50-50. Um, mm. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. That's really good. good. And then I am like drawing a blank. Did did Dragon Tattoo get no. it? No, 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 it missed. Okay, so I uh, that was the year Warhorse got in and extremely loud and incredibly close. <laughs> Ew. Oh, oh god. god! And that's that's the first time we realized the new voting system sucked. Yep. That uh, well, Blindside gave us a clue. I think maybe depending on who you yeah. ask. Yeah, yeah. Twenty twelve, easy. My number one favorite film of that year, The Master. My favorite film of that year was nominated because it was um it was Django but if I had to throw in another Cabin in the Woods was in my five and you know what yeah I can get behind that it's a great movie 2012 uh I'd say Moonrise you said Moonrise Kingdom yeah I would probably also say Moonrise Kingdom that's one of my favorite Wes Anderson films and that was close that was like the number uh 10 or 11 that year easily I'd Mm -hmm. say I think Skyfall should have uh been in the running too and I know it almost was uh, under the under the 2009-2010 voting system, it totally would have gotten in. Easily. It would have got that, that blockbuster uh, District 9 inception spot. I'm also going to say the Sessions that year. Yeah, that was good. That was really good. That was in my top five that year. I'm so yeah. shocked John Hawks didn't get that nomination. Oh, I'm so sad about that. Terrific. It was so good. 
Uh, for 2013, are we like all in agreement about Inside Lewin Davis? Hell yes. yes. Yeah, that's the easy one. Uh, actually, I that film is also in my personal top five. But my, I gotta go with Before Midnight. There, Before Midnight is so good. That's up there too. I would also say Blue Jasmine, which I think is a terrific mm. modern day Woody Allen. And you know what else? The Hunt that year, which should have won foreign film. Oh, you love that movie, yeah. Dude, that, that movie's incredible. Oh. The hunt's good. All right, move it over to 2014. Um, I'm gonna throw my uh, I'm gonna throw my name out there for Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler's close, but I gotta go with Calvary. That movie is so good. I'm gonna just go astonishing. With, I'm gonna go with Gone Girl. Gone Girl's really good too. Oh yeah. I, I'm Gone throwing Girl. out because it was Oscar Isaac's birthday yesterday. We're just gonna keep the train rolling. Uh, most finally here. <laughs> You know what? That was a very underrated film, too. Great it cinematography is. by Bradford Young. And Jessica Chastain, so great in that. Uh, so then moving over to... Oh, my God. We're now over in, what, 2015 at this point. The easiest call I'll have to make in this whole question. It's definitely Carol. You know what it is? Carol. Carol. Are you going to say Carol? Oh, say Carol. <laughs> oh, my God. My number one of the year didn't um, I. I, I, I like Carol. I didn't love Carol, but the film I loved that year, like it was almost my number one. It's my number two. And it's so criminal to me. It is really one of the most criminal uh, Oscar snubs across the board. Uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, Steve Jobs. For me, it's a... Uh, it's a tr- my my number two that year kept flipping, um, and I still can't say that I, I prefer one over the other. I think they're both two and 2.5. Uh, Creed and Ex Machina. Both great choices. I'm with you on Ex Machina. Uh, the End of the Tour is one of my favorite films of the decade. Just astonishingly good writing and performances. Uh, I would also say I really wish, particularly because it came close, I wish Sicario had gotten in. Oh, that movie and I are not friends. <laughs> I'd like to draw attention to how Will says Ex Machina and Sicario. I love the way you say those titles, Will. Yeah, it just it cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can get behind the the Creed love, and then Creed Steve Jobs, dope. and then I'm a actually a big fan of Hateful Eight. Mm, you're the one. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> that's right. That's me. <laughs> I'm not a big fan. It made my top ten, although it was low at number nine. Um, yeah, I. I liked it more on a rewatch, but that first viewing, I was very underwhelmed. I think I went in with too high expectations was the problem. Now, I will say I did get, I drove and I got to see it in the, the, road, uh, the show. road show yeah. format. And it was, so I, maybe I'm, I look on it high because that was an amazing experience. But but I am, no, I'm, 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 uh, I'm on board with that movie for sure. Yeah, and last year I think is uh, pretty fresh in everybody's minds and we all know what our favorite films of last year were at this point. Uh, but Josh Tarpley, though, um, we're not so sure what your favorite films were from last year. So which film would you have nominated for Best Picture last year that did not get nominated? Yeah, so last year was uh, really specific. Maybe I'm just going along with all the hype, but seven out of my top ten were nominated. So I guess I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm all in this Oscar world. But um, it's easy. It's For me, it's silence. Oh, <gasps> You just found another friend. <laughs> Josh, I knew it was a great decision to bring you on board here at Next Best Picture. I just want to say. Matt, did you just shit your pants? <laughs> <laughs> came close, came close. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for your questions here on the show. Now at this point, we had one more question that came through 
from one of our fans here. And this one came in from Chris, 8Chris5 on Twitter. And he's asking us if we have seen the trailer for Atomic Blonde yet. So we are going to now watch that trailer. We are going to give you your thoughts on the film from the director of, co-director rather, of John Wick, soon to be directing Deadpool 2 and starring Charlize Theron, John Goodman, Toby Jones, James McAvoy, and a slew of others. Let's check this one out. Lorraine Broughton, an expert in escape and evasion. Provisioned in intelligence collection. Let's cut the crap, shall we? And hand-to-hand combat. It's an impressive set of skills. Talents can be overrated. Lorraine, how well do you know James Gascoigne? Enough to say hello. He's dead. Find out who's hunting down our operatives. Where a lot of brave men and women are going to show up dead. Fuck. Your contact is David Percival. Let me help you with your bags. Welcome to Berlin. Fuck's sake. Trust no one. Oh, bollocks. You look like you need saving. (laughs) So you made contact with the French operative? Obviously. I think I fucking love you. That's too bad. So, Blonde Wick? Anybody? You know, when it's so interesting you said John Wick, because I had no idea who directed this, and as I watched the trailer, I was thinking, this is female John Wick. That's essentially what this is. Exactly. I mean, the, the headshots, the long hallway fights, stairwell fights. I, and I think like John Wick... It's going to be not particularly substantial, but a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, but, I but I think it will be less fun because it will be less surprising. And I also think that um, it seems to be pandering. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's necessarily um, something that's going to be earned in the way that John Wick felt earned. You mean like, like oh, this is the kick-ass female movie type deal, or without even earning it. Yeah, it's like it's like they're just trying to do it now because it's like I think it's blatant that they that they're like frustrated that uh, action films tend to go towards the guys, um, and they're just saying, hey, you know what, girls can have these action movies too, uh, in the same vein as something like The Raid or John Wick, and to me, it just seems like it's just very. Um, blatant that that's what they're selling it as i i i want there to be more substance to it like you like you were saying will and it just doesn't seem like the story is going to provide me that let's ask a girl how she feels <laughs> Let, yeah let's let all of us men talk about it for this whole time. yeah um i did not know what this movie was i've not seen john wick i don't really care um so this movie does nothing for me because yeah it's great to have a female action hero but you know what I'd love? A female action hero that A, didn't screw the guy that supposedly she has to investigate the crime in because, you know, 
only women who have sexual connections to people can properly contextualize things. And, um, oh, you know what's hot? Lesbian action. All right. You know what? I don't remember Keanu Reeves making out with a dude in John Wick to make that appealing for people. Hey, there's um, another film still to be made. They have time. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I mean, if Keanu Reeves is going to have some some hot gay action with a dude, you know what? Props to them. <laughs> awesome. I'll go. Okay, I'll go with bells on. Until until that happens, though, um, I can't see it as anything more than pandering. Okay? Watch it be Oscar Isaac. Then we'll talk about pandering. <laughs> oh, okay, well, again, I'm not disagreeing with this. I'd support that. But, you know, the movie, it's premiering at South by Southwest, and it's going to come out on, on end of July. And there is uh, there could be a lot of fun to have with it. I w- I'm with you, though, if, if like we get into it and it's like, it's like, oh, this script was just written for a guy and we just gender swapped it, you know, to be to, you know, try and make a try and be progressive without actually doing the work of it. it it'll be pretty evident. I, I, I maintain the only action film that had a female protagonist that I really enjoyed the last time that happened was uh, Haywire. Oh, yeah. The Steven Soderbergh film. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that wasn't flawless, but. That didn't have a character that had to be overtly sexualized, even though, I mean, Gina Carano is beautiful, but, you know, you didn't see her having to stop the narrative to make out with a girl. Um, If anything, it was just hella fun to watch her go through, you know, some of, like, the hottest dudes that were out there at that time. (laughs) On a more uh, aesthetic level here, uh, I have to say I'm not really impressed with the fight choreography in this trailer. Because even though it looks like there's like long unbroken takes throughout, what I'm not seeing is I'm not seeing a sense of realism. I, I feel like the stuntmen are like waiting to get hit by Charlize. Um, I feel like when she gets hit, she's like soup. I, I mean, listen, I know they show like scars and everything and bruises on her face in the trailer and things like that. But to me, it just seems like she's not freaking human in these fight scenes. I don't know. It just didn't. It just didn't feel realistic to me. Does it kind of feel like the long take in Batman versus Superman, where it would be <laughs> impressive if it just didn't feel so choreographed already? Like you know what I mean? Like so, when people are waiting for their chance to be. I punched. know exactly what you mean with with that reference there. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. I yeah. I, th- I think it'll be fun. Um, I don't think it'll be nearly as progressive as it thinks it will be, but it it, it could be a good time. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, these kinds of films sometimes, I mean, like, I'm just trying to think of anybody that does, like, hyperkinetic, like, something like Edgar Wright, you know what I mean? He's made a whole career off of doing stuff that has, like, a hyperkinetic energy to it as far as the action scenes go. Um, and then we you have, uh, honestly, we just saw it this year with John Wick Chapter 2, you know? So, I... I don't know. I think the comparisons are going to ultimately hurt this film overall. Unless if there is a story lurking in this movie that the trailer is not letting on to that completely blows us all away. I, I just don't see it happening. Then again, God bless Charlize Theron. I love Charlize Theron. If you're a straight white man, you'll love it. Well, but then again, <laughs> uh, being the straight white man here, if the story sucks, I'm gonna. Yeah, I was. I was gonna it, say, so. like, I'm probably true. I mean, but see, that's that's the distinction. Straight white men can say it's still not good, but Hollywood's still pandering to that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, th- th- there doesn't seem to be much uh, mystery at all. Although I am kind of uh, surprised they have what seems to be James McAvoy 
um, in a supporting role. You know, it seems to me like he's, you know, I don't know. He's definitely a leading man, I think, unless if Hollywood doesn't agree. So, I don't know. That, to me, was a little interesting to see in this trailer, that he had a very bit part to play in this. Uh, John Goodman, I can understand. Toby Jones, I can understand. But when I saw James McAvoy show up in what looked to be a very small role, um, yeah, you know, that's a little that's a little odd to me. So, who knows? Who knows? Anyways... Anybody have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Anything else anybody wants to touch upon? Yeah, I got some, I got some news pieces. Yeah, fire away. What do you got? Okay, so first off, um, it's become a running joke with me to see uh, what point in every year Avatar 2 is going to get la- <laughs> delayed. <laughs> it's so because true. it's been delayed once a year every year for like the last six years (laughs) so think about this it is now delayed until at earliest 2019 which means it will have been a full decade since the first film came out and let's be clear sequels that come out more than five years after the original film seldom do well Films that come out, sequels that come out a decade after the original film have such an uphill battle to stay relevant and to find an audience. And let's be honest, the time to release an Avatar 2, you know, regardless of its technological and its cultural relevance at the time, would have been in like 2011, 2012. People don't talk about Avatar the way they talk about The Dark Knight or... even Toy Story 3, or a a number of the big successful films that came out around that time. I'm not sure who the audience is, and they have four of them coming. So I think that's... I'll be interested to see if this ever gets released at this point and how it's going to fare. I think... uh, Oh, sorry, Will. No, go ahead. I think Next Best Picture needs to go to uh, Disney World and do one of those Jimmy Kimmel segments where we interview everybody at the new Avatar world that they have built there. And say, are you really looking forward to this? Like, what investment do you have? We hear nobody talking about Avatar for the most part. It's insane that they're going to be all these sequels coming. But you know what, though? Once once that first trailer comes out and the James Cameron hype machine starts and then people like myself start saying, guys, guys, guys. Do you remember when Titanic came out and people wrote stories about how this was going to flop? Do you remember when Avatar was about to come out and people were writing stories about how this was going to flop? You do not underestimate the power of James Cameron to deliver on spectacle that is going to wow the audience. You just don't underestimate it. Well, what what you guys don't realize is the plan here is to develop Avatar Land and then he takes many Avatar Lands into the theater. And so you're actually buying a movie ticket to go to the land and then he's gonna you're gonna be part navi by the end of it and so it'll be a life-changing religion for all involved by the time we get out of there and <laughs> yeah, there comes mm. the bucks with that <laughs> so we're running a little bit long here but other pieces of news call me by your name gets a november 24th oscar season release date nice while so excited the, the director's other film the suspiria remake with really good tilda swinton makeup has just finished filming, so he'll probably have two big films out this year. Kind of it. less exciting. <laughs> uh, Hugh Jackman and Numi Repes have just joined Michael Mann's long gestating Ferrari biopic. 
Uh, Damien Chazelle's first man, Neil Armstrong bi- biopic, gets an October release date, suggesting that he is finally, they've learned from La La Land, they're not releasing in December, they're taking the October date to have better Oscar chances, because nothing's won Best Picture uh, being released in December in more than a decade. Uh, wa- watch a behind-the-scenes video on the visual effects of Logan. I'm telling you right now, it's going to perform really well at the Bake Off mm. and get a surprise visual effects nomination. It's really cool. There's a lot of CGI work you didn't see. That's true. Uh, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep have joined a Panama Papers biopic. Uh, Panama Papers. No, Pentagon Papers. Pentagon, Pentagon Papers uh, film with Steven Spielberg. Liam Neeson joins Steve McQueen's Widows with Viola Davis. There is a Roe v. Wade film coming out, and it's written by women and has an almost entirely female crew. Yay! Excitement! <laughs> Jay-Z is producing Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights film, which means oh, wow. that Miranda is coming back for that EGOT. He'll probably do it this time. And I'll Lar- believe it when I see it. Lars von Trier says his latest film is probably his last film. He says he's done. Well, holy shit. That uh, that actually makes me just as depressed as Lars von Trier. Um, <laughs> Josh Tarpley, you're contributing news over to Next Best Picture. What do you have for us? Oh, so uh, Drew Goddard, uh, just coming off of his uh, Oscar nomination from uh, The Martian, writing that. He just sold a spec script and he's going to direct, uh, let's see here, Bad Times at the El Royale, and it's going to be probably more in the vein of like a 10 Cloverfield Lane or Cabin in the Woods. People, the only way uh, buyers can even read the script is off of a tablet, probably with him in the room. So super secretive project from Drew Goddard. And then uh, I found this out as I was writing the story for the El Chapo movie coming from Sony, and that's going to be based on a on a, uh, a real life book, but there's actually going to be dueling El Chapo movies in the coming years. So one from Sony, um, going to be more uh, based on a true story type telling of the events. Another one from Fox, which has Ridley Scott and Leonardo DiCaprio circling. But that'll be based on a book that's uh, a more fictitious retelling, uh, so more, a little more dramatic there. So I'm assuming Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be playing El Chapo? I, I guess so, and I'm like, uh... <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Brown face for the win. All I care about, all I want to know... Is if Sean Penn is directing any of yes. these. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I feel like he had a meeting with him and he's like, you have to let me tell your story. <laughs> like, <laughs> And the Leonardo DiCaprio Oscar campaign will be, I actually went to prison and did the drugs and I escaped. You don't know how hard it was to make this movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, why didn't we just get him to play Pablo Escobar then? <laughs> Apparently he'd be perfect. <laughs> Hey, listen, with all the uh, uh, notoriety that something like Narcos recently received, um, you know, and something like Sicario, I mean, like, yeah, it, it could be something. It could be something. Mexico, only filled with drug cartel leaders. I'm sure there's some good ones, <laughs> as you know who would say. Yeah, <laughs> some, some oh, bad God. hombres. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, guys. Fake news, fake news. Thank you so much, uh, Josh. Thank you so much, Will, uh, there. Um there, there was a lot to cover. Unfortunately, we did run out of time. Uh, Matt Damon's in the back right now. We weren't able to bring him on either. <laughs> Kristen Lopez, hey. where can we find you on Twitter? You can hear my spouting about coats and call me by your name on Twitter at journeys underscore film. Michael Schwartz. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Movie. I won't be on the podcast for a couple of weeks as I will be off to Italy next week. Aww. I'm doing some uh, research for Call Me By Your Name. And you know your job, Michael. You know your job. <laughs> Actually, my trip has nothing to do with Call Me By Your Name, but uh, if you choose to think it does, uh, just imagine that if you'd like. But uh, have a great time. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm imagining horrible things. <laughs> You yeah, forget Mike, I the book, people. Just know I am never accepting a peach from you, Mike. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, this is taking a very dramatic turn here on oh the podcast. <laughs> well, fairly well, Michael. We definitely uh, wish you the best. We will miss you. We will miss you. Absolutely. So, uh, enjoy Beauty and the Beast, everyone. Let me know how it is when I get back. Oh, I really, I really want it to suck just so you can, you know, just have your dreams collapse. I'm willing. I'm willing to give it a chance, but the initial reviews have me a little, have me a little skeptical. So, be kind, everyone. <laughs> be kind. Rewind. Michael Gondry, Will Mavity. Where can they find you on Twitter? Isn't it Michelle Gondry? Whatever. Michael Gondry. That, what, what? What is this like? You're gonna be like the strangers written by Albert Camus instead of Albert. <laughs> oh All right. God. Uh, in, in, anyway, you can find me at Mavericks Movies. <laughs> And Josh Tarpley, thank you so much for joining us on your first episode of the Next Best Picture Podcast. Where can our listeners find you on Twitter? Thank you for having me, guys. You can find me on Twitter at just joshtarpley7, and I'll be writing for the awards blog, part of the website, uh, every week. Sounds fantastic. I am at Next Best Picture. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 29 of the Next Best Picture Podcast podcast remember to leave us a review on itunes send in a tweet at next best picture hashtag next best picture and we will select at random a winner for a free hd digital giveaway which will be announced next week on the podcast episode 30 thank you so much for listening you can subscribe on itunes soundcloud tune in google play stitcher and player fm and we will see you all next time Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.